Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, October 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Hong Kong Stock Exchange is dropping its offer for the London Stock Exchange. The president of the World Bank says global economic growth is slowing, and GM furloughs hit nearly 60,000 workers as a union strike rages on. Plus, Donald Trump has given Turkey the green light to launch an operation against U.S.-backed Kurds in Syria. The FT's Laura Patel explains what this means for the region. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. It turns out a bid worth £32 billion and a three-week charm offensive by Hong Kong Stock Exchange wasn't enough to seal a deal. A statement on Tuesday confirmed that the Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing dropped its hostile bid for the London Stock Exchange Group. It said it was, quote, disappointed it was unable to convince LSE management of its vision. The Hong Kong Exchange had launched a three-week charm offensive to get shareholders and regulators on board with the merits of its unsolicited stock and cash approach. There were concerns over whether the exchange would be able to satisfy antitrust and regulatory approvals, as well as corporate governance issues. Plus, as pro-democracy protests continue in the territory, there were questions raised about whether Hong Kong's exchange could still act as a gateway to China. The LSE board rejected the initial proposal, and Hong Kong's exchange had until the end of Wednesday to make a formal bid. Back in June, the World Bank predicted a global economic growth rate of 2.6% for 2019. But that looks like it might no longer be the case. Yesterday, World Bank President David Malpass gave a warning ahead of the IMF and World Bank annual meetings in Washington next week. He predicted that economic growth could fall short of those expectations thanks to Brexit, Europe's recession, and trade uncertainty. Plus, Mr. Malpass said that the investment growth in much of the developing world is too sluggish for future incomes to meaningfully rise. But the World Bank chief did say he was encouraged to see how digital cash payments are helping poor people receive things such as remittances and foreign aid. And the number of General Motors workers furloughed hit almost 60,000 on Monday as the strike by members of the United Auto Workers Union continues into its fourth week. Contract talks between the UAW and GM broke down over the weekend, fanning the flames of the first car industry walkout in more than a decade. Wall Street estimates that GM has lost more than $1 billion from the strike. GM temporarily suspended more than 415 workers at a Mexican plant on Monday after it furloughed 6,000 at a different truck plant in the country last week. That adds up, given that more than 50,000 UAW workers in the U.S. and Canada have been sidelined since the strike started on September 16th. GM shares have fallen by just over 10% to around a four-month low since the strike began. And here's a story you should know more about. Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the president of Turkey, has been looking to launch a military operation on the border with Syria for a long time. The area in the neighboring country is controlled by Kurdish-dominated forces, who Turkey sees as terrorists. The U.S. has been backing these Kurdish forces in Syria for a while, and they've played a crucial role in the American campaign against ISIS. And so, since the U.S. has been working with Kurdish forces, Turkey has been holding back its military operations. But on Sunday, Mr. Erdogan had a conversation with U.S. President Donald Trump that, as the FT's Turkey correspondent Laura Patel explains, changed everything. 
And what happened after that was early on Monday, we got a statement from the White House saying that President Trump wouldn't support a Turkish operation in northern Syria, but that he was effectively giving the green light for it because he said that he would move a number of US troops that were in the area out of the vicinity, basically giving Turkey the go-ahead to attack. So these US troops would have backed the Kurdish forces, and basically he's taking those support away. Yeah, you know, in the eyes of the, the Kurdish forces on the ground, he's betraying them. So this creates a lot of complications for U.S.-Turkish relations and and the U.S.'s relationship with the Kurds. Um, Donald Trump took Twitter to try and clear up some of the actions that he took. What exactly did he say? Well, he said a load of mixed messages is really the answer. Because at first he said, you know, yes, we've worked alongside Kurdish forces in the past, but we've given them a lot of money and equipment and the fight against ISIS is over and it's time for us to get out and for everybody else in the region to look after this mess. I should say that a lot of his own military officials and advisors don't agree with him that the fight against ISIS is over. Um, there are concerns about sleeper cells, about pockets of resistance that could emerge again if Kurdish forces diverted their attention from that fight. Later in the day, Donald Trump made this quite extraordinary claim to that he would obliterate Turkey economically if it did something that went against his wishes. So all in all, after a day of a lot of things being said, a lot of back and forth, like it's not really clear where we stand. And we should just point out that when Donald Trump made that threat to, quote unquote, obliterate uh, the Turkish economy. The lira went down, I believe it was 2%. Yeah. After Donald Trump made that threat, the lira extended its losses. It had already been having a bit of a wobbly day. And Donald Trump said in his tweets that he'd done it before, as in he'd, he'd hit Turkey economically before. And that's true. So it's not something that investors or Turks would take lightly, that threat. So, Laura, what's the thought behind this action from Turkey's point of view? So Turkey has two primary reasons for wanting to conduct an operation in Syria. The first is that it wants to push these Kurdish forces who are helping to secure a kind of effectively autonomous zone for Kurdish people in the area. It wants to push them away from its border because it sees those militants as a security threat. The second aim is about refugees. So Turkey is the world's largest host of refugees. It has 3.6 million Syrians who fled the conflict. And Turkey's been incredibly tolerant and generous in hosting those people for the last eight years. But public impatience and dissatisfaction with their presence has been really building. And it's been fueled by an economic downturn that Turkey has been suffering. President Erdogan's government has pursued multiple solutions to this. And one of them is that he started telling the public that he wants to find ways to help Syrians return home. And he says that Turkey will create basically a massive safe zone in northern Syria, where he says people will be able to return voluntarily and safely. But I don't think that's going to happen because there's all sorts of concerns among humanitarian organizations, among European and US officials about what this really means. They're worried that the return of refugees wouldn't be safe and voluntary, as is required by international law. And they also have some concerns about the potential for demographic engineering. You know, the people who would return from Turkey to this area are not necessarily from this area. Some parts of the region are have been in the past and are now Kurdish majority and ethnic Arabs might come in and change the makeup of the area. Now, Turkey denies this, but it's undoubtedly a concern in the minds of many of the critics of this plan. 
You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be watching as the IMF's new managing director, Kristalina Georgieva, gives her curtain raiser speech about the global economy. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. The FT is launching a new podcast called The Rockman Review, a weekly look at global affairs by the FT's chief foreign affairs commentator, Gideon Rockman. The show will take in some of the interviews with decision makers and analysts he meets in his travels around the world, and will also draw on the FT's great network of foreign correspondents. The show is exclusively for FT subscribers, so if that's you, please go to ft.com forward slash Rockman Review and sign up for a taste of the global political debates that Gideon writes about in his columns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.